could be here, and some are here with your spouse, and so we're so pleased that you can be here. We're going to do a little review at, at first, so if you missed some of last week or just want to be caught up to speed before we get into this week, we're going to do that. But, uh, Denny, why don't you start us with prayer? Father, we thank you that you are the God of reconciliation, mm-hmm. and you send revivals, you send conviction, you send forgiveness, you send love. So be with us, be with this face and this time. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. I'm so glad you mentioned the forgiveness and revival in your prayer because, as we said last week, this was planned how many months ago, Nikki, that you said, please talk on forgiveness in here. Forgiveness here, it's okay. Usually, communication or conflict resolution, anything for forgiveness. And now, oh my goodness, who knew how timely forgiveness is going to be? Because that's what this revival is all about. If you've read the Christianity Today article or been um, in the loop at all, it's all about repentance and forgiveness. And so, this definitely fits because this is our closest relationship, and so there's lots of opportunities to repent and forgive. Last week we talked about the power of forgiveness and um, why we want that in our life and what a true apology looks like. And then today we're going to talk about, well, what if there's no apology? And what, what's the problem, you know, what are some of the problems with, um, with not forgiving? You know, we've all seen this First Corinthians passage over and over and over, but there are so many indications of um, Love is patient. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. These are the keys to forgiveness in marriage. Rejoicing with the truth. So we say the truth, but we don't keep track of, of the things that have been hard in the past that we've had to forgive. Go ahead, Denny. So, what do we need to forgive? Well, if you've not had to forgive, oh, bless you. You've a blessed life. But most of us have had to forgive sins and offenses that have been done against us. Um, Human shortcomings. You know, sometimes we just expect our spouse to we've been together long enough, they should know that. They should know what I want. They should know what I need. And so, forgiving those wait, go back one. Uh, Forgiving those human shortcomings is complicated when those are brought in from your family of origin and brokenness. There are patterns that have happened over a period of time. And we're all imperfect. Can we agree with this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> really got it all perfect. And then, of course, failures to meet our expectations. I've seen this breakdown um, friendships, you know, just having such high expectations of our friends, expecting them to be God in our lives, which they're not. None of us are God. We have imperfections and fall short as well, but those all need to be forgiven. So when we talk about the joy of forgiveness, what is it that forgiveness brings? What a great feeling it is to have a clean slate and a fresh start. Second, of course, then we get to be free of guilt and shame from the regrets, the things we might have done that we wish we hadn't, and how uh, we would like things different. Um, we talked a little bit last week about how I don't know how people who are not Christians can forgive because it's really not what human behavior looks like. Human behavior is getting offended, keeping track, and getting back and punishing or revenge or something like that. That's a very natural human behavior. It's a very unnatural, godlike behavior. 
we do forget in marriage and when we can truly work through these things and forgive and ask God to help us let them go, it creates a safe relationship. And a safe relationship in marriage is that place that restores you after you've been a little bit beat up out the world because that happens. It makes living in peace possible. How do you live in peace if you don't have this uh, safe environment in which you can grow? And allowing intimacy to grow uh, is certainly another huge benefit to forgiving. Um, I wanted to say that about the Christian, just one second before we go to three part, about the Christian forgiveness. Um, let me give you an example from my counseling practice. And this was a couple that was never in our church. You're not going to be able to identify them, so don't try to think who needed that. It was many years ago. They no longer live in town. So I think it's safe to use that. Oh, This week so, we're talking so, about. 
So this week we're talking about what if they don't apologize, though? I mean, that's a lot harder than when somebody says they're sorry. I mean, I told Denny I was sorry I got sick, but, you know, it helps a little bit to hear sorry, right? Um, God's forgiveness makes us able to forgive other people, as I said, since we've received this. You know, the thing about God, we believe, all of us as Christians, no matter what tradition, faith tradition you were raised in, we believe as Christians that our God is a God of love. Jesus came to forgive, right? Can we say that those are, this is the bedrock. God is love. Jesus came to forgive. So, doesn't it make sense that if we're a little short on love and forgiveness that we can pray for those two things? That is God's character. Love and forgiveness. So, all marriages go through times when, hmm, I'm not feeling the love a lot right now. Those are the times that we pray, God, give me your love for this person. Or, wow, I really don't want to forgive that. That really hurt my feelings. That's when we pray forgiveness. Okay, so some of these verses are just jewels. Um, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Wow, these are heavy words from Jesus. Forgiveness is a big deal to God. Um, and the one before that, what was the one that we kind of speak of? Yeah, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in God just as in Christ, God forgives you. If we have received this, this is what we're called to do. Okay. I, I would only add to this scripture that, you know, it follows that whole parable of the forgiving of the man uh, a huge debt and that he won't forgive his friend. There for seems, like 10 bucks. <laughs> for like 10 bucks. There seems to be something within us that if we do not forgive others, we're unable to receive the forgiveness of others or God. Uh, it, it's not just that, you know, if we don't forgive, it won't help this relationship. There's something very deep within us that, that is not able to be healed by God. Do you, does everybody hear that? So that's, that's the reality. It's a spiritual reality that prayer is needed. We'll talk about that in just a second. Is this a time for questions? Or not? Uh, not quite. Dennis not quite. Got a bunch but of content. Almost. We'll get to you. Almost. Yeah. And then John Wesley. Oh, yes. Sorry. John Wesley's quote, and you might have seen this in the bulletin a couple weeks ago. Uh, Colleen had put it on the front. Humility and patience are the surest proofs of the increase of love. Uh, forgiveness can't happen if we can't humble ourselves and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. But being humble enough to say that and to ask forgiveness are proofs of increasing love. And then having the patience to forgive and forgive again. Go ahead. Now we're ready for what's not. What's not. And Denny's got some hands. I'll do, I'll do this bar, and Jim's going to pass out a handout to you. This is really complicated. I sent it to him last week, and he said he needed the hard to see. Yeah, it's hard to see. Sorry. Uh, you might have to take it home for the magnifying. Um, last week I said that one of the things I wish I'd had early in our marriage was the three-part apology. This lecture ends with that. And so you saw it last week. Today you'll get to see it in its context. But we oftentimes think that since we're doing something, we are moving towards reconciliation. Reconciliation is the goal of all forgiveness and all difficulties in relationship. 
So this is the, the process we're going to walk through. And you'll understand it when we finally get to the end of it. That we're moving from an immature response towards a difficulty in a relationship to a mature reconciling approach. If we respond in this way, we are seeking union with the other person. We don't want to lose them. If we're moving on this way, we'd like to just get out of it. Do you follow? We all have those tendencies. You might just kind of think, okay, what are my tendencies? And then we're going to walk through each of these. Now, the, the immature level on the union side is to attack. When, when I ever had any couple come in and they were fighting continually because they didn't want to give each other up, but they just couldn't live together in peace. Do you follow? You can have relationships that are just fighting all the time. They love each other. They don't want to lose each other, but they don't know what to do. And so they're always coming at this with attack. On the other kind of side, which is kind of a little more uh, psychologically um, found it is fusion. And fusion is just where you're so fused to the other person that you cannot fight, you cannot discuss, you just are, are kind of one of whatever hurts them hurts you and so on. It's a whole different, deeper thing. But usually it's, it's the fight. This, this kind of behavior in a moment of conflict is seeking attachment with the person. Okay? Does everybody understand that? Okay. Now on the other side, there is avoidance. Uh, and it's in its extreme form, it's called emotional cutoff. And it happens where people just never get together again. They run. Uh, so it, it's a fight or flight kind of response at the most immature levels. Uh, you just, you, you don't have to necessarily leave the room, but you're not there. And you all know what that's like. And that, you're seeking escape from it because you don't know what to do again. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you have questions, now's the time to, to raise it about this. But I don't want you not understanding what's not an apology. Yes? But, but it seems like you could move from that avoidance side over to the seeks attachment side. Yeah, this is a continuum. So most of us live where we can do both pretty adequately. Mm -hmm. We can attack and we can flee. Simultaneously. Yeah. Okay, now, this is the part that causes most Christians difficulty. And uh, as I said last week, this comes from Dr. Osberger at Fuller, part of my doctoral program. So this isn't just my opinion or something. This is the, the research of this. What happens for Christians is that we think, okay, we're having a fight, and we don't want to lose them. And so we do this response called appeasement. We offer an abject apology to just a piece of, well, I'm sorry. You know, I know, I know, I said I'm sorry. Uh, and we're seeking, of course, acceptance that the other person won't get rid of us. So we ingratiate ourselves. We do this self-negation things, kind of thing. Well, I must just not be a very good husband. I must not be a very good wife. Uh, it's, it's just an abject apology. And as we saw last week, that's not an apology. It's simply seeking acceptance without changing the dynamics that are happening in the relationship. Remember that all apology is attempting to change behavior so that we don't have that difficulty tomorrow. Does that make sense? Okay. 
now on the on the separation side, and this is Christians excel at this. I think in part because we do really good accounts about Jesus and everything. We can tell the story, but this one is seeking exoneration. I, I'm right, and let me tell you why I'm right. <laughs> this is why I did what I did. And if you don't believe me, then there's something wrong with you and your brain or your ability to, to understand. Do you follow? Some people actually give an account to God when they should be giving a confession to God. You follow? So all of this relates directly to our relationship with God as well as our relationship with God, as well as our relationship with friends and parents. I mean, I've had so many times when two sisters never talked to each other for 30 years until mom dies, and now they're sitting in the same sanctuary. And I pray that they'll talk, that they'll get at, at something, and if they'll allow me to, I'll, I'll, I'll explain what kind of talk we need to have. Because it's not enough just to have to talk. Does, does that make sense? Everything? Yeah. Then does sometimes the accounting aspect lead into the acceptance of G.I. It would be, it'd be great if that was the, the goal. The goal... Oh, the question was, does sometimes an account bring a person to accept that they were wrong because if they tell the story out loud, they realize that they were at fault? That or your spouse could then say, well, this is the problem I have. Oh, this is the problem. The, the wife put it out. That's, a, that's well, less likely. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking okay, more... Well, let's say the husband would say that. Yeah, the husband gets self-awareness is what yeah. I was going to think of. Yeah, that's um, what I'm getting at. Yeah. It, getting self-awareness is confession, mm -hmm. where you own it, say, oh, I was wrong, and that goes into the true apology that we'll do in a second. Mm -hmm. So this isn't, it, it, it's explaining why you shouldn't be held accountable in oh. this system. It's not really an exploration at all. No, it's a, it's a, it's a trying defense. To, it's a defense, yeah. trying to convince them. Okay. Is, there, is it possible to do a mutual accounting? Oh, try yeah. to understand what happened? And you won't come to reconciliation because each of each of you think you are right, mm -hmm. and you want the other person to accept your point of view. The best way to picture this is two attorneys in a courtroom, yeah. and so they really walk out best friends, holding hands. Not so much. Um, it's more this person against this person. Defense against defense. Yeah, and uh, I'm not seeing it that way. I'm speaking. Yeah, a discussion that gets to the issues is, if this class was on communication, we'd be talking about that. We'd be talking about, I feel, this is what I think, this is what I experience, that kind of thing. That's not what this is. And this is failure to communicate an apology. But you think you do. That's where the problem comes in. That's why I show this as well when I'm doing reconciliation you know, with businesses, reconciliations at universities, and on and on. It's the same process. They're trying to prove that the faculty member was wrong, or whatever. Okay? Everybody understand now the second? And the second is where most people stop, unless they actually come to understand what is, in fact, a true apology. And we, we ended with this, yes, last week, but let me just explain. Again, an authentic apology says, I'm sorry that I acted in this specific way, right? 
You have to name it specifically what you're sorry for. And then a sincere regret, I regret how my behavior hurt you in this specific way. So you're owning completely what it is that you did. And if in trying to give an account you recognize that, that means usually that the Holy Spirit. That Cheryl and I went through a good 20 decades, 20 decades, 20, <laughs> 20, 20 <laughs> oh for Cheryl particularly. Um, early in our marriage, uh, when I started really praying daily and really spending time with God, the first thing God does when you spend time with Him is what? Correct you. First thing. And so, you know, I'd go out and Cheryl, I'd go home and I'd apologize to Cheryl. And then the next day I'd go out and I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd do a prayer walk. That's why I said I'd go out and I'd spend time. And then, and then I'd apologize. It came to a joke where I'd come home and Cheryl would say, what do you have to apologize today? <laughs> and I knew then that there was something perhaps I had missed. So, so you know. Actually, the way I remember it is, did God tell you anything today? Oh, did God tell you? <laughs> Try not to do that. But that's where, that's where spending time with God, and as we'll go over in just a second, allows you to actually see and regret what you did so that you can apologize and promise to change that behavior. Remember, I said it two times, but it once today, I'll say it again. Apology is meant to change the relationship, to change behavior of the person who's apologizing. Do you follow? Mm -hmm. But now, what if somebody doesn't apologize? And so that's, that's the, the whole process. You've got a copy of it there. Uh, give me an email if you want to talk about it more. How does this relate to the Christian repentance? Exactly. This is repentance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry that I sinned in this specific way. It's not just sin in a general sense, although we believe that the original sin caused all of us to be sinful and broken and fallen and need to, to be transformed. But sin is specific. We send it this way that we confess in this way. We ask God to forgive us for that. And we promise not to change. And we regret whatever our sin did, of course. Does that make sense? Yeah, I promise not to repeat. Yeah, so it, it's all, this is total Christianity. But it just brought down to a marriage. Okay, great. Yeah, I promise to change my behavior. That has led, in my experience, to um, problems, too, because the other person has some inner requirements that are set there to protect themselves, and so they expect you to own up to that, but the other person is busy doing it, what they perceive. You're leading us right to the next problem. Okay. Good, good observation, because that is a problem.
last week about that third point, promise to change, someone said, well, don't I just say I'll try? And Cheryl yeah, said, no, that's not good enough, because if you say I promise, then when you do it again, it's on you. Yes. You promised, and now you've broken your promise. And, not that, just and that's why people don't want to say it. Yeah. I don't want to be held accountable now for having broken my promise as well as doing what I did. This may be a little too deep or off track, but say someone is particularly sensitive um, and, and someone says something, but it's the tone, their partner says something, but it's their tone that's painful. And they say, you hurt my feelings. There's, there's mutual accountability in that, um, in somebody being too sensitive. Well, you can't say that. We, we can't say that another person is too sensitive. They're, they're hurt. They're usually hurt, as Cheryl said last week, by the baggage they brought to the relationship. Mm -hmm. Remember I did the knee? Yes. And when you have a, a, a wounded spot, then the other person with just raising their voice a little bit or, or having that look or whatever is going to cause pain. But at some point, does someone become so beaten down by having to apologize for everything? Well, and that we'll get to in a second as well. Is there, can you apologize too much? <laughs> or we have it in the third session. Yeah, no, <laughs> we won't, we'll get to it, okay? So, um, <coughs> You have that before you. So, did you want to pick up here, Cheryl? Sure. So, what makes forgiveness hard? And that's that's where you're leading us to, Sarah. Um, humbling ourselves to say I'm sorry, to admit we're wrong. Who likes to do that? And, well, my favorite thing to do. Uh, and we're too used to thinking that we're right and trying to convince the other person. Okay, you're going to have to read it to the people about Yeah, for you guys, this guy is, is talking to a lady at the shop and says, do you have a card that stops short of saying, I'm sorry, yet vaguely hints of some wrongdoing? <laughs> and that, that's kind of where we would like to, to be and keep our, our ego, our superiority, our pride intact. And we cannot keep that kind of stuff intact. The number one deadly sin is pride. Nowhere in scripture does it say protect your pride. You know, it says humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Right? So anyway, I, I love that joke. Sure, I didn't like it, but I... I'm just not a cartoon person, but go ahead. Um, being patient to forgive 70 times 7. Okay, so this gets a little bit into what you're talking about, Sarah. You know, the constant, the continual process of apologizing. And yet Jesus told his disciples when they were trying to say, well, can I, can I stop after three? Can I stop after one? Um, he says in Matthew, when Peter asked him, he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven? I mean, he thought he was really being generous. Three, three was normative in the Jewish tradition. But Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven, but 70 times seven. Um, it's, it's about not keeping track, right? It's who's going to count. But this is Maggie. But she waited until day 491 and declared to her husband, this time you are not forgiven. <laughs> she did the math, but yeah. Now, but this just, is not what but I want you to imagine what happens inside a person that's keeping track. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> We've and, learned and, from neuropsychology that um, the 
The more we rehearse something, this is what shoots it into our long-term memory. So whatever your brain is thinking about, especially over and over, that's what's going directly into your long-term memory. If it just happens and you don't think about it anymore, it drops out. You probably don't remember what you had for lunch three weeks ago. But if you're thinking about it all the time, that's your view of the world then, your memory. And I, I think, Sarah, inherent within your question is, is somebody manipulating us by their, yeah, yeah. by their being sensitive? And uh, is there a control over us in that way? That takes a different kind of conversation. It takes a conversation, and oftentimes it, it'd be better with the therapist, because if two people are kind of wanting to be exonerated, they're not hearing each other, um, and they're not owning their own stuff, to use the biblical term, <laughs> you know, that then that has to be conversed. That, that's not what we're dealing with here. And especially if it's a pattern they learned in their family of origin or yeah. it's from the past. Remember last week we talked about that's when you know you need to go to a professional counselor. Because if there's something from the past that keeps getting in the way of thriving now. Can that be a dead end then? Because It can be a dead end. I mean, not all things are solvable. But um, with a good counselor, a good pastor, even but a good beyond a good counselor, my example of this husband and wife and the little girl that was definitely not him and looked like her boss. Um, oh, no. This, this um, forgiveness goes beyond human comprehension. It's like the peace that passes our understanding when we're going through a trial, and God gives us that peace that nobody can understand. Same thing. The forgiveness can go above and beyond any counseling situation, anything. And that's what this revival is all about. People are coming directly to God in repentance and forgiveness and being healed of things that were unhealed. Sarah's question, though, does suggest that there has to be a cooperation on the part of the other person. And if that doesn't happen, it is a dead end. Yeah. It's always a dead end if, if the two people don't tango. You know, it's just, it's just a reality. Some people have to want and if, and uh, the best predictor of divorce is contempt. And so if, if somebody has a contempt for the other person mm -hmm. and they're just not going to hear it, what are, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. But Cheryl's statement is, is where I go to at that point with those kinds of questions when somebody asks, you know, um, well, what if they, they won't? Well, there's, I think, this moment is one of the most profound moments of forgiveness you have in all of scripture. Jesus is on the cross. The people who are crucified in him, which is the most painful death we know of. If, if you ever want to read a, a physician's description, look it up <coughs> on the internet of what happens to the body in a crucifixion. It is unbelievably painful and psychologically hurtful. So they're doing this to him and he says, Father, Forgive them. What does he not say? I forgive you. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even in that moment, Jesus turned to the Father to ask him to work in that moment and to forgive the people. Because just because I don't at this moment think I'm ever going to forgive whatever this person did, God can. And I can surrender myself to God and say, 
God, please for, forgive them. They don't know because they don't know. If they had any idea of the eternal torment of their soul by not forgiving, they wouldn't be doing this. There's no way they understand. And so, Father, forgive them. Does that all make sense? So that that's why, even if, I mean, those, those soldiers, we, we could say the centurion, I suppose, did kind of ask for forgiveness at the end when, when Jesus died, but Jesus was gone by then. But those, those guys weren't asking for forgiveness. They weren't apologizing. I'm sorry for what I said. Of course, they would have said it wasn't their fault. It was Pilate's fault. And Pilate would have said it's the Jewish leader's fault. Which is a great example of account. <laughs> you know, that's giving the account. Was it yeah. Okay. So these are some private questions we're going to leave with you. If you came with your spouse, great. Will you share your part or take these home to, to talk about later this afternoon? Or come up and take a picture like some of you did last week. Um, or if you're sitting next to a friend that you feel comfortable um, talking about this openly. But we want to take it down into practice. Humility is a really hard thing. The thing about forgiving others is it's been said that um, if you have really low self-esteem, it's very hard to say I'm sorry because you feel like you're giving away what little piece of yourself you still have. So that that goes into this. It comes to a place of humbling yourself. You have to have you have to be standing on solid ground to be able to humble yourself and break your pride and say a true I'm sorry um, to even get to that place. So you see as broken as so many of us are and the past that we came from or the families we were raised in doesn't teach this. And then the patience of forgiving 70 times 7, not keeping track, not getting revenge, but um, turning it around to redemption. So why don't we take about five minutes for questions and then we'll let you, uh, Scott? Sure, something yeah. you just said right there made it sound a little bit like if that person is broken enough, we shouldn't God can heal regardless of what the other person does. He can heal in you. Now that, that's the thing that sometimes people forget. Really. I was thinking of a perfect example of a high form of love is the mother for the children. We do forgive our children. You know, even as infants, they raise us up in the middle of the night and stuff. And I think that's a really high form of love. Okay, I don't want to blow your... <laughs> but I've, I've sat in many, 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 oh, right. many conversations where mothers and children hated each other. And so it's not necessarily the mother's natural love for the child yeah. that we're talking about. You were a good mother, Rosie. Yeah, you were, you were a good mother. You, you always loved your daughters and they always loved you. But yeah. Yeah. Doesn't always happen. Doesn't, Doesn't always, always happen. But I, I have to agree. I think that just like Jesus used marriage as an analogy for our relationship with him, I mean, he calls the church his bride, right? Mm -hmm. He uses marriage as an example. This is how intimate and close and forever 
this is intended to be. And just like anything human, it's a, it's a faint reflection of what is. But the same thing with parenting. It's like the prodigal son story. And we think of God as the father always extending that open invitation and open arms, welcoming him home no matter what he's done. I think, yes, as parents, we can get into that a little bit and feel a little bit about what God feels for, for our children. And yet, um, and the desire he has that they come um, back to him. Not pushing, not running after, not forcing, but always open and welcoming. Um, yeah, those are great reflections of God's love for us. Yeah, this is kind of showing both people how to be humble enough to ask for forgiveness, remembering the person of the fault of the injury. And then you're also, we're also supposed to be learning here how to forgive. Yes. So you're teaching us to giving and accepting and receiving. Absolutely. And I've been on the on the end of earlier in my life, and I was better at communicating when I remember some I remember something I did to something to somebody, and I said, "Hey, I have a new lifestyle that requires for me to look at my past, and in certain instances where I was wrong." And then I looked at him in the eye and I told him, my nephew, remember this, this, and that. And then I waited for him to go, yes. And then his eyes got real big and I could tell him he was shaking. I go, well, I need you. I need you to let, I need to let you know that I remember. I'm sorry. I wasn't living well at the time. And is there anything I can do to make it right? And he didn't know what to say other than, I feel this is bullshit. You're not being sincere. Did, 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 did. So then I kind of almost got defensive, but I had to let it go. Yeah. yeah. And just my actions over time, right? Because we say willingness without actions is fantasy. Yeah. yeah. The proof is in the pudding. I gotta walk, change my behavior. I do it. So it's been years, and, and little by little, this conversation. But I think I did a good, and this was sincere. Mm -hmm. But he didn't really. He's like, ah, oh, this is just pity. This is bullshit. You're listening to your therapist too much. <laughs> I don't know. You know, and that's what Frankie said. My nephew. And I was hurt. I'm like, dude, I'm trying. And part of it was because that's what I was told to do by, by an elder. Mm -hmm. You need to go and clean up your mess, Sergio. Tell me your first name. I'm Sergio. Sergio. Sergio, I'm Cheryl. Cheryl. Um, you know, the other piece that you're you're leading us to look at is timing. Sometimes we're at the right time that we want this, this and they are waiting on at the right time. Sometimes we get frustrated even waiting on God's timing in our life. But yeah, when both people are ready to listen and hear, um, yeah, it's a hard one. And it hurts when, when they're not ready. Yeah, Allison? Um, would you change anything about this if it was related to just friendships? Oh, I didn't really think about that. I don't think I would, though. I don't think I, I would. I would think so. Is there any difference in the application of these tools uh, depending on whether it is a serious sin offense. we've committed against them or offense against them and a minor offense that we've mm -hmm. committed against them? It's all. we got to keep current. Because when we let the little things stack up, we don't have the, um, the ability then to... It, it builds a... It's like a brick wall. One brick upon another brick. And yeah, maybe one brick doesn't seem so much, so we think, oh, I'll let that go. Oh, I'll let that one go. Oh, and then we've got this 
wall when the really important rubber meets the road and we tend to dump then all these little things that have happened over time and then it feels overwhelming and like too much. And um, so yeah, we gotta keep current. We'll do one more. Um, <clears throat> what is an appropriate response to somebody coming and saying, coming and expecting an apology when there isn't one appropriate? Like, so they're asking, please apologize to me for that. Yeah, and, and maybe it's maybe it's wrong. Maybe I should apologize. I don't know. But like, I, I, there, I think there are times when there are people who come and say, I um, need you to apologize, and it's not. I think that's similar to what Sarah's question is. It, it can be manipulative. Yeah, and, yeah. And so you don't want to be manipulated. Right. And so you, you need to have a longer conversation. What, we need to sit down and talk about this. And if you find that, that that relationship isn't ready for that, capable of that, yeah. then that's where you bring someone else in. It can yeah. be a friend, it can yeah. be a parent, it can be a pastor. Yeah, I was going to say that it depends on how we're raised, too. Sometimes mm -hmm. we're, in my case, I was raised with a lot of guilt, so I was always quick to apologize because I just like, sinned everything with my father. Right, right. Um, and so ha getting healthy means that you're realizing that that can be manipulated against mm -hmm. me. And but I would say always apologize for the piece that you can take yourself okay, yeah. for. So honesty in relationships, if you don't have that, you don't have a ground from which to talk either. So if you can say, well I can apologize for this and I'm truly sorry it hurt you and I will not do that again. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we could go on. Yeah. So, uh, to Here's Denny's email, and if you want the whole PowerPoint thing, if you couldn't see very well, and what you just want it, he will... Uh, if you want to take a picture of this, or if come you up want and take a picture, take a picture and then go home and you can, you can discuss it. Denny, you want to pray for us? Okay. Father, give us the power of Christ mm -hmm. to confess and forgive, mm -hmm. and please allow us to be restored into your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.